Dr. Reeves? This is a 54-year-old white female who is a school administrator, and she self-identified a mass in her right breast that was subsequently confirmed by mammography, and an FNA was done and was positive. She underwent a lumpectomy that revealed a 2.3-centimeter moderately differentiated infiltrate duct carcinoma. All margins were clear. She had a sentinel node procedure. Three sentinel nodes were identified. All were negative for metastatic disease. She was ERPR positive, HER2 negative by immunohistochemistry. Staging workup was completely negative, and we went on to do an oncotype, and her recurrence score was 9. What were the discussions that went on between you and the patient prior to deciding to do the oncotype? Yeah, we had outlined for her that now oncotype allows us to really identify an individual patient's propensity to relapse, their response rates to hormone therapy versus chemotherapy. And we talked about potentially we could save an individual receiving adjuvant chemotherapy if they had a truly low recurrence score. And that it was so specific for that particular patient's cancer that we were looking at 21 different genes that identified their risks. Was this the kind of patient who was out there on the internet getting information and wanted to be involved with the decision or just kind of staying away from yeah, it? Yeah, she was a very knowledgeable person. She did not raise the issue about Oncotype, but she had information about chemotherapies and toxicities. And we talked about second opinions as well, and she did not want to do second opinions. How did she feel about the possibility of receiving chemotherapy? Well, she was reluctant, but also resigned. She had certainly read the data and knew that if her tumor was aggressive, that chemotherapy could have an impact on her survival ship, and she would be willing to do that. Did you discuss with her if she were going to get chemo, what most likely you were going to use? Yes, we had talked about, at that point, I think it was two and a half years ago, we talked about dose-dense AC for her, followed by a Ramadex. So you were thinking about dose-dense AC without a taxing? That's correct. Interesting. Mm -hmm. So what happened once you got the recurrence score back? So when we demonstrated the low relapse rate, we talked about going on just a Ramadex alone and, in fact, talked about the negative impact with a low recurrence score of using chemotherapy. And she was quite relieved. And she's active in community theater, and she's a very dynamic person. And she was very comfortable with the concept of just using an AI alone. And how's she done on the anastrozole? Yeah, we're now two and a half years along, and she's done very well with it. Uh, little arthralgias at first, they seem to have resolved. No problems with hot flashes. Energy level is good. Quality of life is superb. No bumps at all on the road. I'd like all three faculty people to talk about the issue of oncotype in a non-protocol setting. Of course, Joe, we want to talk about the Taylor X trial in terms of a protocol option, and also the fact that this was a 2.3 centimeter tumor. Joe? Well, this is exactly why molecular diagnostic tests were developed, because by her age, coupled with her clinical criteria, she clearly meets established guidelines for administering chemotherapy. And I think most people, most medical oncologists, this is not an equipoise situation. This is a situation where if she went to 10 medical oncologists, at least nine of them would probably recommend adjuvant chemotherapy based on her histology and the biology of her tumor and the age. So she was fortunate in a sense because she is one of the people where doing the specific test can provide a clear treatment path in one direction or another that is endocrine therapy or chemoendocrine therapy. The problem is that the test really is uninformative because it gives a mid-range result depending upon the nature of the selection bias involved in ordering the test. And this is what the Taylor X trial is designed to determine if chemotherapy would be beneficial in patients who have a mid-range recurrence score who would otherwise have been offered chemotherapy on the basis of clinical criteria and has the upside of providing a clear treatment direction for the one-third to one-half of patients where the recurrence score does give a clear direction. The second important point of the trial is that by prospectively collecting all these tissues, 
and by prospectively collecting other biological specimens, we'll be in a position five, ten years or longer down the line when the clinical data mature to evaluate other molecular signatures or other clinical cancer tests as they're developed without having to repeat this entire exercise. Do you think this woman would have been open to being randomized between chemo and not? Yes, she was, again, very sophisticated person, understood the implications of clinical trials, although we didn't have one available for her at that time. So she would have participated in that. Because, yeah. you know, Joe, it's been a while on breast cancer since we did a chemo versus no chemo. It's always a challenge in terms of talking to a patient about that. It's pretty interesting randomization. What's been the response to this? The trial is open at nearly 700 sites throughout the U.S. There have been about 800 patients who've been pre-registered, that is, have consented and gone on to have the Oncotype DX performed, and about 400 patients randomized. We're trying to track carefully what the dropout rate is. I suspect that built into the study is the anticipation that up to 5% of patients will not comply with their assigned treatment. And I would suspect that there may be some bias in terms of noncompliance. So, for example, if a patient had a recurrent score of 23 and was randomized to endocrine therapy alone, I would suspect that some of those patients may opt for chemotherapy. And on the flip side, for those who have a recurrent score of, say, 12 and are randomized to chemotherapy, that some of those patients are going to select preferentially endocrine therapy. So we're trying to get a handle on that right now. What kind of chemo is allowed? Essentially, any chemotherapy is allowed that would be consistent with NCCN guidelines with some modifications. There is actually an appendix on the protocol that allows the various chemotherapy regimens. It's been recently amended to allow taxtier cyclophosphamide, for example. You'd be surprised. There are a lot of different variations in how people treat early-stage breast cancer. And if patients run into that, if a physician is in such a circumstance, they can just contact me and I will just sign off and approve on that. Just out of curiosity, because I know you're a dose-dense person, I don't know how much that has to do from the, you're from the New York area, but do you use or what do you think about the dose-dense AC without a taxane? I think it has the advantage of truncating the duration of therapy by four weeks and reducing the risk of febrile neutropenia. There is about a 7% risk of febrile neutropenia with AC. I think it's something that I'm personally doing less commonly now that we have taxatier and cyclophosphamide as an option. And what about the issue of size of a tumor and how comfortable you are relying on Oncotype? This is not a tiny tumor. What about even three to four centimeters? Would you still be okay relying on Oncotype? Well, I think this is an issue of biology possibly trumping anatomy. And one of the reasons for confusion is that they're not mutually exclusive issues. So the patients who have larger tumors that may be associated with positive axillary lymph nodes, that could be a function of the tumor just being present for a longer time, a more aggressive tumor. But I think with the amount of information that we have in terms of how this test was developed, the fact that there has been a prospective validation study, the fact that there's been an external validation study, I think provides the highest level of evidence that supports the fact that we can be confident in these data. And secondly, our treatments for breast cancer have improved substantially in the last 20 years. Remember, these are all patients who were treated with five years of tamoxifen. So the relapse rates are likely to be lower now in patients getting AIs up front. And finally, Nowadays, many patients who have these early-stage breast cancers, they're screen-detected, not clinically detected or self-detected as in this patient. And there's pretty convincing evidence that patients who have screen-detected breast cancers do better, even if one adjusts for recognized prognostic variables. And it's not just a stage migration effect. 
I guess the other thing, Kathy, that has to be factored in there is the patient's attitude. Are they kind of looking for a reason not to take chemo or extremely nervous? I guess that can be shaded in. Yeah, absolutely. And I think there will be some dropouts out of this randomization in Taylor X trial, but I think it's an unknown area. And I think it's an important question. Aman, are you using Oncotype in your practice in a non-protocol situation? I think this case illustrates a very important point because if you would have talked to me without having the Oncotype DX assay, I would have strongly suggested that the ladies just looking at the tumor size, I would have inclined to offer her chemotherapy with a lot more conviction. But I think with the assay's score being very low, now it puts into little more proper perspective because the tumor was moderately well differentiated, which also fits into the notion that she has a relatively lower risk. I would also say that the Oncotype has helped us in the other situation where patients are very reluctant to consider adjuvant chemotherapy. You come back with a high recurrence score and their resistance melts away and they're very much convinced that they need to proceed with treatment. You know, it's interesting, Joe, we have this controversy about the effect of chemo in ER positive disease and yet here's a subset of high recurrence score where you see at least a report of 75% relative reduction in recurrence. Is that 75% relative reduction pretty firm, or is there a wide confidence interval? Is that kind of the way you think about it? It certainly is striking from that one study. I think we do need to see other data, and we will see other data, I think, in the next year or so that will hopefully confirm that. I just wanted to ask a question of the three of you, whether in discussion with patients, and we're participating in this trial as well, all the data sets that have been validated are data sets using tamoxifen as the treatment arm, and yet what we're actually using in the real world is aromatase inhibitors, for which there's no data set. It's always given me a little bit of intellectual pause when I'm sitting with a patient in front of me and I know that I'm going to treat them with an AI. There's no data set that tells me that the recurrent score has anything to do with aromatase inhibitor therapy. Do you have any comments? Actually, in patients who are on the ATAC trial where we have the tissue blocks, we are subjecting those tissue blocks to this Oncotype DX. Really? Wow. And in the next 9 to 12 months, we will have the data to see whether the predictability of that test holds in the ATAC trial in that subset of patients because we don't have tissue blocks and sizable chunk of patients. Awesome. How many patients do you have tissue on? The trans-attack data which Mitch Dossett presented, all those tissues we will submit. So all those tissues that he just reported to San Antonio, that was HER2 and PR, now they're going to have Oncotype done on them? That's true. Wow. wow. Very cool. Wow. <laughs> We're also going to be reporting, I hope, at ASCO, depending on how the abstract is reviewed, some information regarding Oncotype DX testing in patients enrolled on the E2197 trial, which compared AC versus a Taxotere, which was, of course, a negative study in both a node-negative and node-positive population to see if the assay can provide information regarding prognosis in that population. And perhaps we might be able to use this as a way to sort of tailor the type of chemotherapy, not only the decision of whether to give chemotherapy, but actually what type of chemotherapy to give.